All right, welcome to another episode on the podcast for affordable housing and real estate investing. Today, I got one of my best friends, my partner, Wilson Bang, on this podcast, on this episode. And today, we're going to learn about his story, uh, why he decided to invest with us and invest in real estate investing. So, Wilson, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Thanks, Ken. Uh, as Ken introduced, Wilson Bang um, from Boston, <laughs> grew up, born and raised in Boston, Big Boston sports guy. Everybody knows all of, the, all of them. Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots, all every single one of them. And I guess for for this podcast, real estate investor, partner with Kent, um, got an Airbnb in Arizona. Um, got a, my own primary residence here in uh, in Boston as well. So I'm born, raised, and staying here as well. Um, good to talk to you guys. Show you share my story. Dude, I love that. Um, Wilson, I really wanted to bring you on first because I think. The most important question I ever I will have for you today is probably a question about mindset. We all grew up in a similar group of friends. We all came from low-income housing. We all went from, to public schools. And growing up in that environment, you are probably in an environment where people tend to kind of follow the same path, where you go to college, you get a stable job, you have a family, have kids, and then you retire, right? But you and I decided to branch out and actually invest in real estate. Like, tell me a little bit more about what the hell was going on in your brain when you decided to like, yeah, I'm going to invest with Kent in real estate. Like what was going through your head? Were you scared at all? Yeah, I mean, definitely. So I guess, like you mentioned, right, it's, it's we're first generation, right? Parents came from Asia, right? They landed in Boston. This is where they kind of get, got their, their life started. There's no kind of real playbook to make money, right? But that's that's kind of mm -hmm. what a lot of these immigrant families are, right? You go, they try to get you to the best schools possible. Then as when you're going to school, they're gonna work as hard as you can, help you with homework, all that stuff. And then you go to college, right? That's your that's kind of the, the career path, right? You go to college, get a nice degree. Hopefully it's not like a degree that doesn't get you a job, something like you know, <laughs> how it is. I mean, right? You got business, you got doctors, lawyers, dentists, whatever it is, whatever kind of the immigrant families make, makes money. And then you work as hard as you can in, in, the, in the corporate life or sorry, in, in college. And then you get a job, whether it's mm -hmm. in corporate, if you're in business, you know, you, you, you go to a dentist, you go to you know law school, whatever it is. Um, so that's kind of the, 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 the playbook that a lot of these parents or immigrant parents are, are trying to kind of instill on their kids. And so I kind of followed that. And then as I kind of Got out of college, got into the corporate life, do consulting now, uh, do management consulting. And then, you know, that's when Kent, right, came through and said, hey, I'm trying to do this, this real estate deal right now. This is <laughs> kind of what my focus is on. And so, you know, he gave me a, a nice, nice long sales pitch, right? <laughs> all the nice points, right? This is, this is what we're going to do, right? This is what I'm working hard on. This is going to, this is, this is how we're going to make money stuff like that. And so that's, that's kind of where it, it came through and, you know, definitely scared. Right. I mean, we, we, we did this in, what is it? 20, 2021, right. Right. During 2020, 2021, 2021 right? COVID. Yeah. Just a year right, ago. Right, right. Right. During COVID, everything's kind of, you know, nobody knows what's going on. It's a, it's a big uncertain time. And so of course you're going to have these uncertainties with around, you know, investing, what you're going to do with your money. What happens if I lose my job? That type of mm -hmm. stuff and so you know mm -hmm. you're always going to have that feeling of uncertainty and fear and stuff like that and i felt mm -hmm. like you know when i talked to you it was a you did a great job of 
kind of selling yourself and then selling the business and selling the, the idea as well. And so that's kind of where I came in. We, we took the risk, right? And I think it, it paid off really well. And, uh, you know, definitely a, a great risk in my mind um, in terms of what, what, what we did with, with, um, with the, the, the real estate, with the property. I mean, that's, that's so nice of you to say that. I pitch you well, man. Uh, because honestly, let's be honest, right? It was my first deal. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, and yeah. I remember when when I analyzed the property for you, uh, we were estimating a gross revenue to be about ninety thousand yep. dollars. Right now, it's on track for one hundred seventy thousand dollars, which is almost double it's what crazy. that scenario yeah. was going to be. It's it's crazy. It, it is absolutely insane to think like how far we have come together as a partnership, and to think about just getting over that initial hump. Because let's be honest, right? I'll be very honest with you. If you said no, it would have been a no. And I never, I'm not sure if I ever told you this, but like on the day when I offer got accepted, dude, I was so nauseous. Like I was getting ready yeah. to throw up that night. I could not eat that night because I was so nauseous, man, because I was literally terrified. And the reason why we got the offer is like, we, we were trying to buy an ugly house. It was like a dude's house, right? Mm-hmm. Dumbbells outside, falling over fire pit, a little batting cage, like rusted dumbbells outside. Just a, a, a very, very ugly dude's house with no staging. Yeah, oh, bugs, everywhere. bugs everywhere. Bugs <laughs> everywhere. Right, and we, bugs everywhere. Yeah, me and my fiance showed up. Uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, and then right afterwards, my fiance, and now my wife. Uh, hey. Now my wife. But yeah, we showed up. I mean, we, I mean, we were there for a week. There was like 30, 40 bug bites. Um, that was, that, it was it was insane. But yeah, so, it's really like a dude's house. Right. No, no one tells you about these things when you buy a house. Like, who told you, like, oh, it's not just the pictures. You also get mosquito bites. Like, yeah, 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 hammered by mosquitoes the entire time. Um, but that's so funny, man. It's, it's crazy how long, how far we've come. And I, I'm never gonna let you forget that you could have said no. I and I think, and I'm never gonna let you forget that, man. You could have said no, dude. You could have said yeah. no, and I and I appreciate that so so much. And I want to get to the next question of like, why did you invest with me? And this is not a plug for me. It's more of a I want people to understand what are you looking for in a person when you want to invest with somebody, right? Like, I'm sure I'm not the first guy that said to you, whether it's a drunken conversation, uh, Mm -hmm. where like, hey, let's go start a business together, right? What made you actually want to invest with me? And what would you recommend for other people to look at in other partners? Yeah, Yeah, I think with investments, right, you you think about like your stocks, your your bonds, these investments, you're, you're doing the research yourself. And then you're you're kind of, you know, let's say you're you, you're buying Apple, right? You're you're doing your research on mm-hmm. Apple. You're, you're, it's a good company, right? That's that's got all this cash and stuff like that. So you're kind of doing the same thing, right? You're you're doing the same thing, same exact thing with real estate, right? You're looking at the market, right? For us, it was Arizona, right? You're looking at mm-hmm. the market. You're looking at the growth. You know that you have that that side of it, and then on the other side of it, right? It's it's you're I'm investing in you, right? You can't heat, right? So mm-hmm. you know it's it's it's. You're, you got to do your research with that's both sides, right? You do your research on the real estate, right? All of this stuff that mm-hmm. we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also doing research on you too, right? I, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have to sell yourself to me, right? You're managing mm-hmm. property, you're managing your money. I'm putting all my risk and mm-hmm. my, my financial stability, right? Whether I'm having stakes or I'm having, you know, not yep. like, not stakes or spam, right? That's, that's kind yep. of on you. So, right. So I'm doing my research on you. So, you're coming at me. This is how this is how you're gonna do it step by step. This is what what's gonna happen when you know we have a great year. This is what's gonna happen when we have a bad year. This is what happens when we have a recession. So kind mm-hmm. of going through that 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 list of items of 
you know, this is what is going to make from you, right? This is what's going to make my partner Wilson comfortable. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's what you did. And I think that, that you did a great job on that piece of it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love that because I think too often, sometimes people only talk about the best case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. And you, and if you don't spend time up front talking through the worst case scenario, like one of our worst case scenarios was like, okay, what if another COVID happens and no one books the home for two, three, five months, six months, right? Our exit strategy would have been, okay, let's turn it into a furnished rental for affordable housing. So we can actually do good with our property. But at the minimum, like our mortgage at that time was 3,500, right? Roughly speaking. And if the whole house sat, em- sat empty, our worst case is not losing $3,500 a month. It's actually losing about $1,000 a month because you can easily rent it out to a Section 8 um, household. Mm-hmm. And they, there's a huge, huge wait list for them. So your only max loss is about $1,000 a month. And we had to have the honest conversation. Okay, if we lose $1,000 a month, are we both okay with reaching into our pocket to cover expenses for $5 a month? And the great thing about real estate is like, no matter how bad the recession is or how bad the economy is, eventually it does rebound. People do travel again at one point or another. And that's why I was so comfortable with it because not only was inflation going out of out of control then, like 8%, right? I think that's the going inflation rate. Our money was losing money. It's sitting in the bank. So we had to put it again somewhere. And thankfully, we decided to pick, pick real estate. And thankfully, we decided on a niche that actually made sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing I wanted to call it is, track record. And I think for someone looking to invest in another investor, and like you said, right, you're investing in a person at the end of the day, because the person is going to control exactly what's going to be the outcome of your of your deal. If you just write an analysis and put on a spreadsheet, that doesn't mean it's going to come to fruition. Someone actually needs to make it happen, mm-hmm. right? Someone actually needs to ex- execute on the property. Um, and just like you work in consulting, you know how important execution is. So what in my track record do you recommend, like not my track record, but like in a partner track record, what, what are you looking for? What would you suggest to someone looking to reinvest and rotate for the first time? Like what are the qualities in a person that you're looking for? I think you just have to be active. I think the the, the sales pitch, right, is, is kind of a big piece. And just kind of going back to the the, the worst case scenario, right? You got to have somebody mm-hmm. that that's willing to kind of tap that difficult conversation, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to you're trying to sell an investor on your services, right? You kind of it's it can't be all good, right? It's, if you have mm-hmm. all good, that's unreasonable. That's that's impossible, right? That that's not mm-hmm. that's not something that's that can happen. So having somebody that's able to kind of have that tough conversation of this is what happens in the worst case scenario, that's mm-hmm. going to be a big piece of it, right? So you know, having that, like I said, having that conversation. When things are good, everything's good. But when things get bad, if you don't have if you haven't had that kind of that mm-hmm. bad that that you know, that worst case scenario conversation, then you're just going to get into an argument. So I think that's, that's, that's a big piece of it. I think Mm -hmm. just with you, right, you're, you're, you're reaching out, you're doing all this research. I think being able to have all of this data, right. All the data points, right. I think that's, that was a big piece of it, right. You came through, you said, Hey, this is the property that, or this is the area that we want to have, we want to invest Mm -hmm. in, right. Whether it's say Arizona, you know, North Carolina, whatever it is, these are the properties or these, this is the area that we want to invest in. These are the big, the key data points, right? Growth, mm-hmm. right? Things like that. Um, laws, whatever it is. Um, having all those data points and then also doing comparables as well, right? Mm-hmm. You have your Airbnbs. These are the list. I think what one of the things that you did that was awesome was the, this is the list of, you know, 200, whatever, right? Not 200, but like 100 or whatever 
properties mm -hmm. that are in that vicinity, right, that we are going to compare against, right? When people open mm -hmm. up Airbnb or when people open up their own kind of VRBO, whatever it is, they're going to, you're, you're pretty much stacked against all of these properties. Mm -hmm. And so by, by having that, you know, just showing, hey, I did the research already. This is the property. This is five miles from our spot. Mm -hmm. This is the same kind of square footage. This, they have a pool. We don't have a pool, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Just being able to have that data point, right? It's you're 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 showing you're, you're I guess you're showing what your your research is and how you know how hard you're working and how much you're you're doing on the side, right? You, you know mm -hmm. you're you're working weeks and weeks to gather all this data, right? Whatever it is, months. Mm -hmm. But then you're coming in and we're just having you know a, a two-hour conversation and this that's your sales pitch. So being yeah. able to kind of for me being able to see all the work you put behind it to get you to that point. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just getting the best two hours, right, of your research for a month. So that that's that's <laughs> dude, I, that is such a good advice for anyone. And I and I talked to you about this before, right? I think raising private capital is probably the hardest skill. Like I think anything else you can do in real estate, you can learn to manage a contractor, but raising private capital, making someone feel comfortable with giving mm -hmm. you their money, like you're literally reaching out to their pockets, like yeah, they're working, yeah, right? People are working for this money. That's their hard-earned money. So yeah, being able to sell yourself and, and get that, and you have to respect it. And that's why I, I never inundated you with like how much research I was doing. I literally came to you when I felt like I had thought through the entire thing, and then I asked you for your opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that gets lost in so many sort of new investors where they just want to like, hey, look at this house, let's buy it, right? I've I've been pitched those deals all the time. Like they, like, they just send it over like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Instead of going through the extra stuff and just actually saying, hey, here's a property I looked at. This is what I think it make. And these are the yeah. reasons why. And if it doesn't work, then these are the, this is what we're going to do. So many people don't take those extra couple of steps. And we see this in corporate America all the time in the consulting careers when we used to do it. People don't take the extra step. Yeah. So it's crazy that to expect someone to give you their money when you haven't shown that you have demonstrated such care for taking care of the money and helping them and respecting that right so yeah i mean yeah, i can easily go on zillow right and and look up a <laughs> million dollars two thousand square feet and look at the what was it the price per square feet and say hey i think mm -hmm. this is a good deal take a look at it right that's that's there's no kind of there's no work in the background you didn't do anything really other than you know you you looked at one data mm -hmm. point price per square feet is under a certain amount of money I think it's investable. That's yeah. not really a, that's not really doing research at all, and that's not going to yeah. give anybody comfort in in yeah. kind of your abilities to to kind of work and and do the mm -hmm. stuff in the back end in the yeah. in the background. Yeah, and and I love that the way you valued me is like you know you and I have a relationship since eighth grade. We've been best friends since like eighth grade. It's crazy yeah. how long that's been, and there have been times in my career where I have not been successful, right? So you and I know, like I used to run a restaurant for my cousin because it was losing like $20,000, $30,000 a month. Yeah. And if I didn't step in and save them from bankruptcy, then he would have gone bankrupt, right? So that's, I think looking for the type of person you're investing in is the trait that I will call out is grit. Like, do you, do you keep pushing when it's hard? Do you keep pushing when things aren't going as well. And when things aren't going as well, what are you doing to kind of make up for the deficiencies in the business, right? Yeah. And I, I would say like, hey, my restaurant endeavor was not successful. I didn't make any money from it, but I also didn't lose any money from it. And at the end of the day, it was a good year or two of my life where I just spent all that time and I turned it around, right? Got it back to break even. But at the end of the day, that wasn't the life for me. And I, I think 
learning about your investor's track record and what have they done during difficult times is also going to be so important. I'm not sure like if that factoring your decision, like, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think the learning about the invest, I guess the question is what, what am I looking for when I'm learning about an investor or a partner? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the, if that's the question, I think the just, well, I know you, right? So, so it's, it's easy to see, but I feel like when you look at, when you meet somebody for the first time or you meet somebody, especially mm-hmm. even at work, if you're mm-hmm. meeting somebody as an investor, whatever it is, right, you can kind of see the work that they're put in, right? Are they, you know, we, we're all consultants, right? Do we do we say, mm-hmm. do we just hit on the keywords, right? Profit, mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? Gains, whatever, whatever the, the keywords are, right? But that's not, that you can't really kind of assess somebody based on these keywords, right? You, you meet somebody, you talk to them, you understand, you know, this is, are they a hard worker or not? I think a lot of people can assess that, right? You can kind of see through the fluff and you can see through the candy coating mm-hmm. and all that stuff to see, to be able to see hard work. And if you don't, maybe it's it's time to ask some questions, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it is a two-way street when you're looking at investors, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're kind of selling their sales, but then you have to also kind of ask the questions to generate that response as well, right? What are you, you know, if you're, if what I'm looking for is somebody that's going to work as hard, work, work night and day, whatever it is, mm-hmm. then you can, you can ask questions around like, you know, what do you do? You know, how, how do you do your research, right? It's an interview back for the person as well. Mm-hmm. How do you do your research? What do you do? What are the sites that you're looking at? What are the yeah. different data points that you're pulling together? You know, being able to show that research, right? To, if that's what you're looking for, and an investor is somebody that is able to do the hard work. Someone mm-hmm. that has that kind of, tra- you know, especially with you, right? It's not like you have that track record for real estate. Mm-hmm. This is the first property that we've done, right? So really, I'm investing in you as a hard worker, as somebody that's willing to do that mm-hmm. nitty gritty stuff, right? To go in and do that research and be able to present that to 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 me or to new investors, whatever it is. Yeah, and I think just you got to invest in someone that's willing to figure it out, right? I, I think that's a skill that you can't really teach. You can yeah. learn as much from books as possible, but you can learn yeah. as much from podcasts as possible. But you got to go in and do it. And then you figure things out as as it happened. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's crazy. Some of the crazy stories that we run into is like, look, in January, you know, the neighbors called the police on our on our on our guests. Yeah. That's and, brand, new, and, brand new experience dude, for us. First time. In we January, like, oh, that was scary. <laughs> We, we just launched. So yeah. I was like, oh, man, like what we're going to do. And we had to have a conversation where I was like, all right, let me try this no music outdoors policy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could have gone very differently. So we actually implemented the policy. We actually reached out to all of our bookings that were actually in place already and told them, like, hey, our neighbors very sensitive to noise. Yeah. But we actually are going to be respectful neighbors and responsible hosts and actually implement no music outdoors policy we had a, a few cancellations maybe about 20 percent of can- reservations canceled but then all the other people stayed and on top of that they actually got rebooked which was amazing right and what did we learn in that process we learned that if we elevate our standards for our guests we actually invite less problems into our business and yeah. we actually are continuing to be responsible hosts and be a respectable neighbor in the neighborhood so that people don't actually hate us as, as hosts. Right. Because the last thing you want is having a party house next door to your, to your home. Like yeah, nobody I wants that. Yeah. I think that's very reasonable. Right. I think when that's, that would be kind of conversations that we would have as partners, right. What is mm-hmm. reasonable versus unreasonable. Right. Mm-hmm. So being able to say, you know, no music outside. I mean, everybody, mm-hmm. with, you know, next door to somebody, right. They don't want music outside. Right. Not everybody shares the same music taste mm-hmm. as you. Right? And you don't want that outside as well so i think that's that's a it was a very reasonable ask and i and i and i think that worked out well 
you know, the, the 20% cancellations, I think, you know, that's, that's cancellations, but they get rebooked. Right. And mm-hmm. it's not like it's going to affect, you know, our kind of the, the, the house that the, whatever mm-hmm. it is, doesn't affect the reviews or anything like that. Right. Yeah. We're yeah. saying you can't have, you guys can't party outside just to have loud music. And I feel like that's very reasonable as a request. Yeah. So I love, I love this conversation about how we work together as partners, right? Cause because so many people don't actually think through all these decisions and, I want to speak to a little bit about like when you and I first started talking about a partnership, the first thing that we did, it wasn't creating LLC, which is what a lot of people waste their time doing. Our first goal was actually talk about like, how do we make decisions? Are we philosophically aligned on what we're trying to do? And some of the key things that we, you and I hit on is like, Hey, anything under $1,500, like I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I need some autonomy to actually make some decisions without having to inundate you with every single question, every single day, because you as an investor, that's what you're paying me for as a management yeah. fee, right? You don't want to get involved in all those decisions. And on top of that, we also talked about like, hey, how do we exit the property, right? Because all partnerships eventually end. And that was one of the first things you and I talked about. Like, hey, what if you want to sell and I don't want to sell? Yeah. Like, these are real conversations that you got to have. And obviously, you and I talked about, like, hey, our guiding principle, as long as you have these guiding principles, I think that will help you steer a lot of decisions that we need to reward each other for coming in and in, in deal. So if the house appraises for 1.5 million dollars and doubles in price in in less than five years and you want to exit i don't want to exit i need to be able to compensate you for coming into the deal with me in the first place and i think if you have alignment there then it's going to make the partnership so much more fruitful because you guys have talked about this stuff so you we actually don't want to argue the last thing i would want is for our friendship that we've had since eighth grade mm-hmm. to be ending over a business deal over one deal it's just not worth it at the end of the day yeah um, i think a lot of people see it as as negatives right but it's actually a positive to have that conversation right i mean you we all have friends right everybody you know mm-hmm. not just between you and me but everybody else has friends that they don't really agree 100 mm-hmm. in, right so you're never going to have that 100 percent kind of yep. uh, agreement with even mm-hmm. your closest friends right so just just having that conversation are we you know your, your kind of term philosophically aligned right are, are we aligned with what we're trying to do here Right. And if not, then mm-hmm. we're still friends and it's not like it's no, yeah. there's nothing negative about it. Right. Just, you, you just have to have that conversation. And I think that's a big piece of it, which is, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, yeah. having that conversation, going through the different data points. Yeah. What do we do when we kind of leave? What happens, you know, if somebody decides to sell, <laughs> you, you live a different life from me, right? You're on the West coast. I'm on the East coast, right? We live different lives. Right. So, and, and you have a kid, right? I don't have a kid. Mm-hmm wife now but we <laughs> live different lives we have different career trajectories we have different like you know timelines mm-hmm. in our life whatever it is so we got you got to have that conversation and one of the big ones like you said is is how do we exit right we we're, we're holding it for this amount of period mm-hmm. and if you want to exit then you know we're exiting and, and this is what we're going to do so just having that got conversation it. i felt like that was a um a big piece a great kind of starter right this we're gonna we're just you know our first mm-hmm. conversation was we're just going to talk through what happens when when things don't go the way it's supposed to go. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we, all that we talked through what's going to happen when a yeah. tornado hits. We talked through what happens when a big fire hits. So yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. through all these things. You got to have the conversation because otherwise, when that when that bad case scenario c- comes up, where which might be really rare, you already talked about it, right? So there's no yeah. arguments at that point in time. You've already agreed. Yeah. And, and I think you just got to spend the time upfront to have these conversations because, like. Your, your life is going to be very different in five years. I and mean, that's the, the holding pair we agreed to, right? Like, hey, we're going to hold this for five years in the minimum, and then we're going to see what happens. Um, so it's just, that's just a conversation that I would urge all of our listeners to kind of follow and make sure you have that conversation before investing with 
anybody. You have to have those conversations and those difficult ones at the very least. And the next thing I want to talk about is like you and I, we, we worked on a bachelorette house, right? You and I are both guys. We asked our wives and your wife now too uh, about design considerations. And you know, when our designer first provided our mood boards and the design plan, you know, our, our friends, our, not just our wives, uh, our friends had a lot of different opinions about it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized like, wow, I didn't expect this conversation because this is one of the conversations that we did not have before the thing. We, we didn't talk about how we we're going to design it. But you and I were in an, an agreement that when in doubt, we would invest more money to make this spot as cool as possible and as good looking as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important and a general guiding principle that you must have with your partners as well. It's like, because some people might just view it as an expense, right? They're like, oh, I'm just dumping more money into dumping more money into it. But everything that we have invested more in has been to make the property looking better. And thank God we did because if we didn't have a great product, we would have actually lost a lot of reservations when we had no music outdoor policy, right? We had a premium product and a great experience. And that is reflected in like our 39 five-star reviews right now. They're, they've been all perfect, knock on wood. Um, but what you was going through your head when we... Ha- yeah. <laughs> you just got to lay the foundation. You just, you have that strong foundation, right? Which is what we did. And then that brings in the reviews, right? You Like you said, right? The, the, the no music outdoor policy. They're playing music inside, right? There's still plenty of mm-hmm. activities to do inside, right? Yeah. So, so just having that kind of, you know, you're spending that money. It's an expense, but it's also an investment in, in kind yes. of the house as well. That's exactly right. And I love how you view the expense as an investment instead of just a pure expense. That is so important because if you're working on your first deal and every single time the issues come up, like we probably went double over our budget, man. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we thank God we made double the revenue, but it could have easily went the other way. But you and I stuck to it. And instead of like flip-flopping where we're like, hey, let's just cut back on here a little bit, cut back a little bit here on a little bit. We might not have seen the returns that we, we've been able to see on our property. So yeah. um, no, it's awesome, man. Like I would, I just want to share the numbers with, with the folks listening right now. I mean, we bought this property at $800,000. It was originally listed for 850. We put 15% down payment uh, on the property. And then we put another 126 uh, on, on the property to renovate it. We probably had about maybe another 70 grand um, of like credit card debt that we put in. But long story short, we put we were all in cash out of our pocket for about two hundred forty six thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. We bought this property. We closed in August, and we got it reappraised in about March or April of this year for at one point one five million. And I still remember the day that it happened, man. Like, I called you up. I said, "Dude, you're a millionaire," and you didn't believe me. I, remember, you didn't believe me at that point in time. Yeah, you have to like <laughs> cal- run that calculation for me, which is funny. <laughs> dude i think that was a uh, that was one of the highlight moments of my year this year dude I, I don't think i told you that but um knowing that we both came from affordable housing knowing we both worked so hard in college throughout life and for you and i to both become millionaires on the same day like that was that was beautiful man that was That's probably crazy. one of the most beautiful moments of the year yeah we like, took absolutely a shot i facetimed you we took a shot when you facetimed me we took a shot together Dude, I almost had tears to my eyes that day. And it was so, you know what was the even second most amazing moment? When I told you to go into the bank account and give yourself all the money back. Like that was, yeah. that was the most beautiful. Moment. I almost got tears to my eyes right now, man. Like you know, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And I'm so thankful and so blessed that you came to the deal with me, man. 
because you really yeah. could have said no. And I'm we all, we all started that. kind of the same path, right? You know, like you said in the beginning, you know, immigrant parents, first generation, college graduate, first time college graduate, and now we're here. So it's 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 what a what a life, right? What a life that we've lived so far. And then, you know, you know, what a life to live in the future. But yeah, it's crazy. What a life, man. And you know, I, I want to spend some time and and take the time to acknowledge our parents, right? So our parents are both immigrants. They came over here and you know, they've all none of them spoke English, right? And to start, none of them spoke English. They grinded, they worked just to put food on the table. So I know you lived in affordable housing. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what has affordable housing done for your family and for you as well? Yeah, I feel like, you know, as part of this conversation, affordable housing gets a kind of a bad rap, right? It's a, they call it the hood, mm -hmm. the projects, mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? But for, for people like us, right, affordable housing is a stepping stone, right? Or for immigrants, right, it's a stepping stone, mm -hmm. right? You, you, you came here with nothing, right? We have a little bit of cash in our bank. You know, we have a rainy day fund, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. A lot of our parents did not have that rainy day fund, right? They they, mm -hmm. they got on the plane, they landed here, and then mm -hmm. they pretty much saying, you know, all your friends are gone, you know, back home. This is where you are now, and you got to make a life for your kids. You got to, you know, build a better life for yourself and your kids, stuff like that. So I, I view affordable housing as a stepping stone and a... And a mm -hmm great stepping stone for, you know, if you're looking at my life, right, it's a great stepping stone because my parents was able to afford the rent, right, without paying these crazy mm -hmm. rents, being mm -hmm. able to kind of put food on the table, right, give give the kids clothes, right, you know, not the fancy mm -hmm. clothes, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to school and getting bullied for my clothes, you know, just having, yeah. like you said, right, that, that, that grind and stuff like that without worrying about all this money. So, Having that affordable housing, great stepping stone, right? I have a brother, a little brother, a little sister. They kind of came through the same thing as me, mm -hmm. right? My parents kind of grew up in, in, you know, raising us in these affordable housing. So I felt like, you know, I definitely owe a lot of what who I am to that, right? I mean, if if my parents were mm -hmm. had to work multiple jobs, gone twenty four hours a day, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Then I'm raising myself, or I'm raising my brother, my siblings, whatever it is. Yep. Um, yep. and, and that might be, that might lead to a different lifestyle for me. Right. I might not have gone to college, whatever it is, um, yeah. and, and have the lifestyle that I have now. Right. So yeah. I think that, that I would, owe, I would say I owe a lot to affordable housing. Right. Um, that's kind of mm -hmm. where I grew up for the first, you know, until I went to college for the first 18 years of my life. Yeah. The, from I was born to when I left mm -hmm. for college. And then as soon as I left for college or graduate college, right. I moved into apartment and things like that. So it kind of snowballed yeah. there, but. Mm -hmm. My first 18 years of my life was affordable housing. Yeah. And if, it's kind of like if you never had the stability, like who knows what would happen to your family, right? If, Like you said, if your parents had to work two jobs a day, when would they actually be home to like hang yeah. out with you guys yeah, and yeah. spend time with you guys? And it creates a stability where, you know, you can grow up in an area where at least it's safe uh, for the most part. And your family has a stable home to kind of come home to. And you and I both went to really great schools because we happened to really be in a really good school district. And so without affordable housing, we would have never been able to do that. And for some immigrants and some lower income families, it's already hard enough, right? Trying to start a life. And that's why you and I always talk about is like the problems that we go through is like nothing compared to what our parents went through. Yeah. Nothing. Like the problems that we face every day is like, oh, we got a final exam, like we're all complaining about it. It's like, dude, there's nothing compared to what our parents nothing, had to go yeah. through. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But yeah, that's that's the mindset, right? I mean, we look at we look at these, you know, 
the, the, the rap for, for these affordable housing, government subsidized housing is that they're mm -hmm. like the projects of the hood. But if you really think about it, right, this is home for, for these people, right? So these, my parents, us, me, when mm -hmm. I was younger, a lot of these immigrants, a lot of these kind of low-income earners, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it is home for them, right? And so as much as whoever it is, media, whatever the general population mm -hmm. kind of looks at projects, whatever it is in a negative mm -hmm. light, it is home for these people and they are going home, they, they are going yeah. back and they feel safe in their home. And that's what, that's what it does to, to, to these people. Uh, being able to go home and not having to work or worry about, you know, yeah. anything else. And that's why you and I are great examples of like what can happen to a child when they are presented an equal opportunity to succeed, yeah. right? They, they, they get a stable home and they get to be in an area where at least they have a chance. And I think all the kids, especially the kids in this world, they deserve that chance. And just look at us now. Right now, we we invested in real estate. We've all quote unquote made it because we had great corporate jobs, working making six figures a year. But that's not that's not where we want to stop. We want to continue to give back and actually give affordable housing units back to the community, and that's going to be so important, right? And that's and I hope this is a living example of great people like us that we grew up in affordable housing and we want to give back. And this is the type of life that people out there that want to invest in affordable housing, that's what you can provide to someone like us and the future generations, because there's a reason we're doing this. We're doing this for social workers. We want to do affordable housing for nonprofits and EMTs so that good people can be the best version of themselves without worrying about high rent. And these people are going to in turn help our kids, our grandkids and our great grandkids when we're not there anymore. And that is so important because that's more important than wealth. There's an average statistic out there. that says like, you know, the average family generation or family fortune only lasts about three generations. And that's crazy. But what can we leave for our family? If we can help enough people and in the small world of ours, we know they're going to come back and help someone back in our future generation. And I think that's the best thing we can leave for our kids. Uh, I know you don't have a kid yet, but I can't wait, man. Once you have your kid, you're going <laughs> to you're gonna feel even more and more passionate about this, man. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is, right? Giving back. And that's, that's, that's what, you know, philanthropy, well, who, philanthropy, you know what I mean? So, so just being able to get to, to give back, right? Whatever we do, whatever we can do to kind of recognize the people that work hard, you know, recognize where we came from, you know, being able to give people that opportunity, right? I mean, it might not it be direct or indirect, whatever it mm -hmm. is, right? Just being able to give back gives you a good feeling, right? You sleep better at night if you, <laughs> knowing that you were able to help somebody. So just having that, 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 that mindset of giving back and, you know, recognizing these people that work hard. Um, I think that's a very key um, point to make. No, I love it, dude. Hey, man, this is an awesome conversation. And like I told you, like we, we haven't had one of these one-on-ones for a really long time. And I think with after COVID and everything, it's so important that we just like cherish these moments and we spend the time with each other and have these conversations, man. It's a little bromance going on right now, but that's okay. It really, it really um, is. I love it, man. You and I have been through a lot. I'm so glad you were able to kind of come on this podcast and have this conversation with me. It's it's so important to our mission that I think we had to put it out to the world and let other people hear it, no matter how little people want to hear it. Um, it's our mission, and I think we're going to stick to it. So, Wilson, where can people find more about you? Like, are you on Instagram? Are you on LinkedIn? Where can people reach out to you if they want to learn more about you? Man, I was I was going to... I was telling my wife yesterday, I was like, I need to make an Instagram. I don't have one. <laughs> um, find me on LinkedIn, um, okay. you know, Wilson Bang. And then, you know, the email is just wilson.bang at gmail.com. Um, okay. 
I'm gonna get my Instagram at one point. <laughs> okay. I love it. Nope. Hey, Wilson, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for telling us the story. Thanks for sharing some advice on to our listeners on how to vet investors and partners and future partners. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this, this call. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for coming on and I'm yeah, no going to have you back on eventually. Yeah, anytime. Thanks guys.